and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Holly Rubenstein. I'm a travel and entertainment journalist. And here each week, I'll be speaking to a very special guest about their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. Today, I'm so excited that the gorgeous model and actress Poppy Delavine is making her podcast debut on The Travel Diaries. Poppy and her sister Cara Delavine are two of fashion's most recognizable names. Poppy has been the face of Louis Vuitton, Burberry, the muse for designer Matthew Williamson, and the brand ambassador for Chanel. But as you'll hear in this episode, it was acting that was Poppy's first love. And having starred in blockbusters like Kingsman and King Arthur, Poppy is now a regular on Sky Atlantic's hit series, Riviera. I spoke to Poppy in her beautiful West London home in a rare moment when she was back in the UK. Travelling is not only an integral part of her career, you'll soon hear that Poppy clearly has the travel bug too. From Argentina to Antarctica, Japan to Positano, here is a glimpse into the glamorous life of Poppy Delavine. Poppy Delavine, welcome to The Travel Diaries. Thank you so much for being here. How Thank are you? Thank you so much for having me. This is so, so exciting. I'm really well. I'm very happy to be here with you. How long have you been back in the UK? Because I know you fly around all the time. Um, oh, oh my gosh, actually, I just got back from France uh, two days ago. I actually went on a cheeky little ski trip with a group of friends of mine. And before that, I was in Argentina for eight weeks. Eight weeks? I was. Wow. Yeah, so I literally just got back from there before that. Um, so I feel like I've been slightly living on an airplane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was out in Argentina filming um, the third series of Riviera. So season two filmed in the French Riviera and season three out in Argentina. Season three, half of the Argentina and the other half on the Riviera. So I mean, there's that's something like a that gig, happens on it? the Riviera that sends us to Argentina and you'll have to wait and see what that is. But yeah, it was pretty incredible when the producers called me up and said, guess what? You have to spend eight weeks in Buenos Aires. I was like, wow. I'd never been before. No, I've not been. What is it like? Oh, my God. I have romantic images in my mind. It is such an incredible place. It when Once you're there, you do feel very far away from everything. But the energy and the people and the endless sunshine. And literally people are dancing tango in the streets. There's just so much to do. But it's so vast. Argentina is so vast. So literally every moment I got some time off, whether it be a weekend or a few days here and there, I'd jump on a plane or jump in a car and go to Mendoza or Guazu Falls or Uruguay, which is only an hour away on the airplane to Punta del Este or... So you can travel a lot. That's so nice. So you did lots of little hops. I did lots of little hops. And what was the highlight, would you say? If you were to be going on a trip to Buenos Aires, where would you add on? Well, I never did it, but I would love to do Patagonia. Mm, Me too. Um, I mean, that would be my dream. But I think out of the places I did do, I would probably say go to Iguazu Falls for the weekend because it is really close. And if you love a waterfall like I do, you'll be mesmerized. And if you love monkeys and the wildlife is sensational, you know, they have butterflies the size of your head. And uh, I can't remember what these animals were called, actually, which is really embarrassing, quite ignorant of me not to have found out. But they were kind of like raccoons with like massive long noses. And 
they were such biddy bodies and they would literally like come up, like crawl up your leg. They had these massive talons, so you had to be quite careful. Um, but they were just very inquisitive and always sort of diving into your handbag for snacks. And Wow. Yeah, it was a really bonkers place, but <laughs> somewhere I would totally recommend. Sounds fantastic. And how important would you say travel is to you? I think it's, I mean, for me, it's so important. I kind of live for traveling, really. I think all my life was sort of modeling. I've been really lucky that I've got to travel the world with my job. Um, I think that's actually one of the highlights of, of my career is that I've got to see the world with it. And then in the off moments, whenever I have a second to myself, I'm not one of those people that likes to curl up on a sofa. I'm literally like, okay, when can I book a trip? And whether it's like a day or a night or 10 days or whatever it is, I sort of crave that sense of adventure. Yeah. I love to be around. You've got the travel bug, clearly. I've got the travel bug. It runs in my family, as you know. <laughs> yeah. So I was. we were just saying earlier that your aunt, Melinda Stevens. Yeah, Auntie was, Min. Auntie Min was on <laughs> season one. She is the editor of Condé Nast Traveller. Anyone hasn't listened to that episode, it's one of my absolute favorites. So do you go to Auntie Min for some travel tips? I mean, I feel bad for Auntie Min because literally every anytime I want to go anywhere, I'm like, uh, Melinda, hi. Um, What do you think about and what do you think about that? Can you send me in? <laughs> and she loves it obviously because she knows so much about all of it um, mm. and just before I went to Argentina actually we went for a quick pint in our local pub because she lives just around the corner from me and she gave me I mean literally the longest list of things I had to do and places really? I had to be and restaurants I had to eat at oh and that's so great yeah she's 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 literally the best aunt you could possibly have and have you been on holidays <laughs> with her yes numerous <laughs> I mean I find it, I'm so close to her and her husband and her three beautiful children. Um, you know, we're kind of like the Griswolds and I think we like to do as many holidays together as possible whenever we can. So are there any that particularly stand out? Uh, we did do quite um, an incredible trip to the Maldives. Um, oh, was that um, Amila? We did Amila, exactly. she mentioned that on her episode We as did well. that yeah. for Christmas and we had... Uh, all grandmothers we had uh, all the cousins we had friends it was a complete different group of ages and personalities and and it was genius and we were all there on this beautiful island um you know where everyone was snorkeling and banana boating mm -hmm. and dancing on the sand and it was just one of those things that yeah, one of those trips that you will never, ever forget. Memories for a lifetime. There's like sunrises and sunsets and everything else. It was incredible. Yeah. Oh, dreamy. Well, let's get started with your travel diaries. Great. Chapter one is your earliest childhood travel memory. What would that be? Um, I think my earliest travel memory would have to be going to Cornwall. Um, you know, we started going to Cornwall when I was God, probably five or six I just remember, first of all, those never-ending car journeys that I used to just dread because someone would always be car sick, whether it was Cara, Chloe or I in the back. And <laughs> someone would be the fight of who got to sit next to the window so they could stick their head out of it. Literally. Did you have to sit in all three in a row yeah, as well, right? Always like all three in, in a row and whoever be stuck in the middle because I'm middle child, it would always be me. Oh. But then I would literally be the one who was sick. So then I'd get the window. You know, it was one of those, sorry to open my travel diaries talking about sick. That's really gross <laughs> of me. But it is one one of those things that comes to mind 
But Cornwall, yeah, it was, um, we used to go with fa- family friends of ours. They rented a house right near the beach. That I think was, I think it was Damer Bay, but I might be wrong. But it was those kind of holidays where I think I had like my first 99 with a flake mm-hmm. and what that felt like. And like uh, bodyboarding, boogie boarding, you know, um, in freezing cold temperatures and like my parents forcing me to do it. And once I was in, I loved every minute of it. And, and do you remember it being sunny or do you remember it being I freezing and you were still I remember it ahead. being freezing, freezing cold, you know, like peeling off wetsuits and just endless sand in your hair and just never being able to get warm, you know, like numb fingers, numb toes and but always really loving that feeling. Um, it was always very adventurous and we'd be, you know, camping or like my dad. My dad used to go crazy and build these like dams because the beach that we used to stay on had sort of like pools of water everywhere. And I found a home video of us the other day and he's going, Poppy, watch out for my dam. And he's like, I'm literally six years old climbing over his precious dam, which you think would be for the children, but actually it was for the adults' it was for enjoyment, him. <laughs> for him. And he was so proud of the sand dam that he'd built. But yeah, so I feel like that was probably my first ever travel memory. And did you go back there regularly? I think we went back there probably till I was about 13. Oh, wow. So it's a really special place. Yeah, then. and when I was 13, it became, you know, something completely different because obviously... Um, we then discovered pubs and and boys, lots of and boys, boys in Cornwall, and lots of boys. Lots of know. first kisses seem to happen in Cornwall. I, feel. I think I definitely had a first kiss in Cornwall. I remember like my dad picking us up from the pub, and I remember him like opening the car when we got back to the house and literally double the amount of children jumped out of the car that he thought had got into the car, and I'd <laughs> like definitely stuck a few boys in the boot and I remember him going get back in the boot and I'm taking you back again (laughs) you know it was that kind of but I think when I was six or seven it was more about ice creams and hiding in sand dunes Mm. more than anything and you grew up in central London right I did I grew up in Wandsworth um on a common which was the most sensational thing because it was like basically having a park as your front garden yeah which was incredible and yeah Wandsworth Common was a it was a hip hop happening place what can I say and so what are your favorite some of your favorite haunts having been a Londoner born and bred that maybe people who don't know London might want to uncover oh my god what when I was a child or as an adult well maybe more now oh god okay I there's certain places that I really love um that I find like there are restaurants um I love the Wolsey group so like the Colbert, the Delauny, the Wolseley, all of these places, when I go there, it feels like, you know, going home in a way. They're quite like iconic. The menu is always really cozy. There's always things like, um, what do they do? Like Swiss souffle and stuff like that, where it's just like delicious and naughty and creamy and mm. um, French fries and things that like that, that are just really special. Um so I love that restaurant. I love the Chilton Firehouse for late night cocktails. That's always great. You can always really sort of misbehave there. Um, my favorite pub in the world is probably the Windsor Castle, just on Camden Hill Road. It's very sort of dark and creaky. It makes you feel like you've gone back in time. It's almost quite medieval and they always have a new ale on the menu. Are you a big ale drinker? Um, I am a big ale drinker. I'm a big I'm a big beer drinker, mm-hmm. uh, which people always find 
quite weird, but I've always, I've always been really into my pints and hops and bubbles and I don't know it's always just been something I've been really into yeah so I saw your architectural digest LA home tour which for anyone who is a fan of interiors can I just say you have to watch this because this house in LA that you live in with that you own with Cara yeah your sister is just unbelievably beautiful it's quite nuts isn't it It it's kind of like a sort of girl's playground but it's um we got we had so much fun doing it we did it we bought the property like two and a half years ago it took us a year to do it there was so much work that needed to be done it needed a lot of love and we kind of gave it that um the Delavine touch it's basically completely bonkers and you either go in there and you love it or you hate it it's totally like Marmite it could give you a headache but I love it <laughs> so there are like tropical prints and palm it's, it's prints it's really loud yeah. a lot of it is very very loud there's a lot of tropical there's monkeys you know painted on the walls everywhere there's a lot of like powder pink velvet um our dining room is emerald green but lacquered walls all the ceiling and floor is also lacquered, uh, which is quite nuts. There's a lot of rattan. Um, there's quite a sort of slim Aaron's feeling about it. There's mm. a lot of yellow. My bedroom has got this amazing de Gournay wallpaper on the back wall, which is like completely tropical, um, sort of baby blues and beiges and um, pineapples. And it's just, it's just really bonkers. They're like hanging seats from the ceiling everywhere. It's nuts. <laughs> I, I felt looking at it that it felt that it was definitely inspired by travel in a way. Definitely. Yeah. And you're definitely. I think both Cara and I are always, we're kind of sunshine girls, we're always up for chasing the sun wherever we can. And, you know, I think, you know, to, no, last summer we went to Costa Rica, which was somewhere where I got quite a lot of inspiration from. But definitely, I feel like when you walk in there, you can feel that we're both travel bunnies. Mm. So moving on to chapter two, that is the place that you first fell in love with. I think this is, yeah, probably my favorite chapter. For me, when I first went to Positano. Mm. In Italy. In Italy. And I had found somewhere where it was okay for me to eat pasta for breakfast, lunch and dinner. That was totally not frowned upon and I could do it and I could have a pasta belly and just be rolled around by my husband. That for me was like heaven on earth and somewhere that still to this moment when I think about it I like I get tears in my eyes honestly if I could just be magicked back there right now I would in a heartbeat and I first went there I think the first time I went there was for a friend of mine's 50th birthday um the wonderful Nat Masney and I will always thank her and love her for introducing me to it we called it then poppy tano of course we like slightly <laughs> changed it up um and then i said to james we've got to go back there as a couple and we went and we stayed at the beautiful Cyrenus mm. um with the wonderful car always wanted to go there, yeah. oh my gosh it is so stunning and she is just the most incredible host and it's just tucked away in this hill and it almost feels like a toy town, the whole of Positano, and you've got endless steps and it's always an adventure. You walk out and you don't know where you're going to end up and you're always out of breath. And by the end of your journey, you're always like, right now I deserve a massive glass of wine and a massive bowl of pasta, which is always the way forward. And they have all these incredible um, restaurants. There's a restaurant you can get a boat to called Dodolfo which was incredible, very rustic. That you get a boat to get to. You have to get a boat to get there. 
and the beach is all stones um, that totally burn your feet, but it's so worth it. But it's very, very rustic, and they literally just hand you bowls of pasta, and you eat basically what, what you get given. Um, they do peach bellinis there with real peach, which I know sounds a bit crazy when people are like, well, of course, they're always real peach. But no, no, this is like you get gloops of peach in your mouth as you're drinking them. Like, you oh, know, they have goodness. just been freshly picked. <sighs> and freshly mushed into your bellini which kind of changes that is dreamy changes everything and um yeah i just think it's definitely the first place i ever fell totally head over heels in love with and what did james think when you got there did he love it too <laughs> he totally loved it i think by the end he was literally fed up of eating pasta because i was literally was like let's go to conquer sonia and have more pasta and he's like can we just not do that how about pizza let's literally let's go wild let's do anything else but yes he loved every minute oh sounds absolutely wonderful and so you were scouted when you were at school by a modeling agent is that right I was yes by the lovely Sarah Dukas Storm and so how did life change from that point well it was I was very young when I first initially got spotted I was um picking car up from a sports day and I was 16 and um I was a very gawky kind of limmy teenager I was um quite awkward I was I always felt like I was very out of control of my body if that makes sense like I was it was just a body with like these extra long limbs I kind of looked like Inspector Gadget or like a giraffe and I just because I you're 5'11 right so I'm 5'10 five, five, ten, ten, and I like to give myself the less of half. <laughs> but I, um, I just, it was very, you know, I was always that person that was like permanently falling over at school, like always hitting their head on something. Like, so when, you know, a model agent came up and asked, I literally thought it was the, I literally just laughed in her face. I just was like, you're insane and you need glasses. Mm. So at that moment, I was like, totally not interested, but thank you. Um, and so I just said no. And then when I was 18 and I left school and my dream at that point was that I wanted to travel. I needed to go out and experience the world. And my dad was like, right, we well, have to go get a job. And suddenly I thought, hmm, I wonder if Storm would be still up for having me. So I went back and uh, yeah, I gave it a go. I mean, just spent a lot of time getting no jobs um, really really learned a lot about london and the london underground <sighs> going um, from yeah, yeah it took casting a long to casting. time going from casting to casting and it did take a long time but eventually stuff started happening and after six months i managed to save up enough to go traveling and where did you go i went to india first uh then to brazil uh then to bolivia Wow, that's an amazing trip. Yeah, it was incredible with five boys, which was five um, boys. Yeah, just it friends. Was, it was an group adventure. Yeah, with a group of friends. I think a lot of my girlfriends at that point, a lot of them had sort of gone off to university. A handful of them had got jobs that they were really into, and I just had these five brilliant boys that were like well up for an adventure, and I was like, "Take me with you." So it was kind of perfect. Actually, that was. Um, I was going to talk about that trip in my chapter three. Oh, well, so let's go on to chapter on, three. I might be leading on to it way too fast. No, that's perfect. <laughs> the trip where you learn the most about yourself. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can understand why. Yes. And what I learned was resilience. <laughs> I just, um, but it was that trip, I think, that really kind of molded me, I guess, as a person. I mean, 
to say it was an adventure would be, you know, is, is it's quite an understatement, but it was six months. And it was the first time I'd really been away, away from anything and just literally had a backpack and traveled. Yes. With these five boys. And it was just, it was incredible. We, when we got to Brazil, where did we go? There was a mixture of different places we could go to and the boys ended up deciding it'd be a great idea to go camping in the Amazon jungle, which we did for eight days. Which, eight days? Eight days. What um, creepy crawlies did you see while yeah, you were Yeah, you have there? no idea, Holly. I can't even like, I don't even know how I got through it at this point. Um, but, you know, you had to camp on the floor and there was you're not sleeping in a tent or anything. You were just out. And I always oh, get mauled by a mosquito. No, it was very, In very, the open air? Very, very. Listen, we were just, you know, 18-year-old travellers. So yeah. We literally had paid nothing for it. Um, and they had horses, so we'd go horseback riding and we'd have to go catch our dinner and you'd sit in little canoes and catch piranhas. And I don't know if you've ever caught piranha or eaten piranha. No, I've not, no. They have no meat on their bodies, only meat in their cheeks. So you would literally get half a bite out per piranha. And I'm sure you can imagine I was crap at catching piranhas. Um, <laughs> Do they taste nice? They tasted all right. At this point, I was just desperate because it's either it's that and then you got, you know, some rice and beans, which was just lovely of course but after day eight I was like give me piranha any day <laughs> um but yeah you would just get mauled by mosquitoes and but it was such an adventure I mean horseback riding in the Amazon jungle every day swimming in the anaconda river I mean nuts but by the time it ended I wasn't talking to any of them oh, really? I was actually they were all I was giving them all the silent treatment <laughs> and was this like pre kind of social media dominating lives yeah, as well so you way. could just go and oh my have God, a this great time way before yeah oh, I don't even have I've got very few pictures you know we didn't didn't take a few on my face or something <laughs> I've got so I don't even have photos I've only really got my memories of that whole experience which slightly does break my heart I did it write a diary which doesn't make any sense <laughs> I found it the other day I was like wow I was obviously having way too good a time <laughs> did um, you try any of the uh, ayahuasca type no things? I didn't do that I didn't make it to that part of the world um Peru was the next part of the trip and by this point the boys made it to Peru but at that point, literally all I could talk about was football and sex. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I need a bit of estrogen. I'm going home. And I literally just jumped on a plane from La Paz, um, which was incredible. And I was so glad I got to experience it in Bolivia. But I was like, I need I need to be with women now. And I guess point. growing up around women, <laughs> you're up, used to that, right? Growing up with all women. And suddenly I'm like, <laughs> just with stinky boys all day long, I was like, you know what? I need, I need to go back to go back to that but it was incredible and India was amazing we went from like we just mainly did the south but we took a bus from Mumbai down to um down to Goa and then from Goa down to Kerala and Palalem and Hampi and all these places that were I mean just out of this world Mm. out of this world I still really think very fondly of that trip for when you've done modeling shoots they always pick you know beautiful or dramatic locations often are there any that really stick out in your mind as being incredible settings for some of your work um one place that they always used to actually take us to south africa Mm. cape town they really loved 
the fact well that there's no time difference that the light is always you know it's sensational first thing in the morning it's so beautiful um and the locations there they're kind of endless so mm. south africa was always somewhere that we went quite a lot for shoots mm. it's really really beautiful it's a beautiful place. ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels easier even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Moving on to chapter four, which is a really tough one, I know. Your all-time favorite destination. So hard to pick. It is so hard to pick. And I really did genuinely write you a list and I kept going backwards and forwards going, which is it going to be? But for me, um, my all-time favorite place, I think my favorite destination would have to be Japan. Mm. Um, And all my life, I'd never really had had a sort of deep interest to be there or go there or experience it. And about two years ago, my husband was like, let's do it. Let's go do cherry blossom season in Japan. Let's go see what everyone's talking about. And I went with my uh, father-in-law and my mother-in-law and off we went, just the four of us, and landed in Tokyo, stayed at the peninsula. And I was completely overwhelmed by the whole experience of it it was just incredible the people I fell in love with like just their culture and how they are and kind and thoughtful and how clean it is everywhere and beautiful and the food and just generally all the experiences whether it was the 
robot cafe or um, going to the world's best sushi restaurant, which only can fit four people in at a time. And you sit literally at a bar and they just hand you food and you have to eat whatever they give you. And, and you're not necessarily sure what it is. And you're but not it necessarily sure what it is, but whatever it is, it is delicious. And um, at that point, we then took a train, which was an adventure in itself for anyone that's ever been to Japan. And we managed to get a train to Kyoto. And stayed at one of the really traditional uh, ryokans um, in Kyoto, which happened to be right next to this blossom tree park and bamboo forest. And my husband and I, we we still had really chronic jet lag. So we got up so early in the morning and just wandered among this blossom. And it was just the most romantic, beautiful thing to do ever. Mm. Um, and there were no people around. And, you know, waited an hour and suddenly tons of tourists were there but we visited just getting there that bit early made such yeah, a difference made all the difference the sun was actually just coming up and there was like mist over this river and oh, i mean it was really just incredible and then we went on to shima and stayed at the aman there which was incredible what's really shima like well i didn't get to see much of shima because we were at the aman which was like so incredible that we actually and we only had two days before we were going on to osaka to then get our flight back home but it was um the aman there was incredible i mean i'd never really stayed anything and are you an like aman that. junkie i am a bit of an aman junkie yeah i'm not gonna lie yeah yeah what are your other favorites get enough aman giri oh, i yeah. did in uh, utah last year last january mm-hmm. um that was mind-blowing. My the God. setting is just extraordinary. The setting, waking up in the morning and looking out just at that landscape that you can't believe you're, you know, you're on planet Earth. You think you're on Pluto or something. Yeah. It's like you're in some kind of painting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was just mind-boggling and, you know, doing the antelope canyons. And we actually did a road trip. We went from LA. I did it with some friends of mine. We did LA, Vegas, Hoover Dam. Did all the antelope canyons and onto Utah. I mean, it was... That was incredible. I did that trip last year too. Did you do? Yeah. Did you do it when I early as early as I did? I was I was in mid January. No, so I was um, in May time. Yeah, um, but I did it the other way. So we flew into Colorado, did Denver. And oh, then you did we, that way round. Yeah, and then Amazing. we went down um, past, went to Zion National Park. Which did, oh did my you, god, we drove through it oh at my god. night. Isn't it incredible? Which we were really oh, you at about. night? Yeah, oh. because so we we made it there just as it was getting dark, and we were so angry because we were like, oh my god! But we could see we actually had um, a stag jumped onto our car, and its back hooves hit the bonnet and jumped off. So we almost oh, actually oh my god, had that's terrifying! Actually, yeah, but it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I was like. Wow. And the, the guy who was driving this, my best friend, he was like, what? Okay, that was not amazing. I was like, well, it was for me. Yeah. I got a stand out like that close to a stag in flight. Um, but incredible. If you go back, you yes. must go in the daytime. And do it in the day. I, I feel will. like it's a real hidden gem that us as Brits don't necessarily like have that on our we on don't. our tech list, we have like the Grand Canyon and Monument Valley, which are both incredible. But Zion has these just... The topography there yeah. is really next level, and there are there are really cute, like nice restaurants around. Yes. There's a bit of a community vibe oh as well, God, which I really like. You want to go back? I'm going to go back. Yeah, I mean, it's really e- when you're next in LA, it's really easy from there. Just do I'm a short do hop. It. Yeah, yeah, do it. Definitely do it. Done. And how about a favorite city? Oh God, favorite city. 
Oh my god, that's so difficult. Okay, I tell you what city I really fell in love with was Barcelona. Mm. Um, I went there for my birthday a few years ago. And uh, first of all, I fell in love with tapas. Obviously, it's quite obvious to hear now that I'm, I'm a real foodie. Um, but usually I like the biggest plate of anything I can get my hands around. <laughs> but... How does that work with modeling, by the way? Tapas, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I think I kind of have a fast metabolism, so I'm quite lucky like that. That, but is, that is very fortunate. But it is fortunate for me because I'm literally, as I'm getting older, like bring me it, the it carbs. is suddenly <laughs> beginning to happen and I'm having to be slightly more careful. But we went to La Sagrada Familia. Mm-hmm. Um, who was that? That was Gaudi, wasn't it? Gaudi. The, the big cathedral, cathedral that's taken which, so long to build. And I, we actually did the proper tourist thing. We got the headphones and audio thing. And my husband turns around to look at me and I'm full tears crying because I just thought the whole thing was so incredible and actually very emotional and thought-provoking and... I honestly could not recommend it enough to people. Because you know how sometimes people will say, oh my God, it's such a tourist attraction. Why would you? And you're like, no, 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 this is honestly not that. It is so much more than that. And mm. if you go to Barcelona, it's the first thing you should mm. do. Do you like the Gaudi architecture? I do. I think I love it's it. really quirky and bonkers. And um, yeah, I just think it, I think incredible. It's so idiosyncratic, but and so Barcelona. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's so part Barcelona. of its heart. Totally. Yeah. But we had an incredible trip there. And yeah, I think it's definitely, plus it's got a beach. Yeah. And I am a sunshine girl and permanently trying to work on my freckles. So yeah, <laughs> give me a city with a beach, I'm yours. <laughs> now, you said you're an Amman junkie, but I wondered, is there a favorite hotel that stands out for you? I mean, I imagine you've got to stay in some pretty beautiful ones over the years. Oh God, that's so difficult. But... Um, well, there is a hotel that I sort of think of that always, um, that always really reminds me of like sort of home. Mm-hmm. Um, but only because I've spent so much time, it's in LA, it's called the Chateau Marmont. I'm sure all of your listeners have heard of a million times. They've been there a million times, but it is just one of these places that when I have to go to LA for work and I feel like just feeling like I'm, I don't know. It's, it's just homely for me, and you what know, is I know it everyone it? that is works it you there. Know everyone? Yeah. I think I feel like I know everyone that works there. Um, I know that area. I know that part of Hollywood really well. Which part um, of Hollywood is it in? Well, so it's kind of you know, it's just off uh, Sunset and right. the Sunset Strip, and I feel like I've just known that area for a really long time, and I love Andre Balaz, who owns it, and he's a really dear friend, and. Yeah, when I just go there, it's like, I just feel like I'm coming home. Mm. And that for me, I don't know, I always think that's a very good sign of a very good hotel. And are you spending a lot more time in LA now that your focus is primarily acting? I would say not so much this year so far, but I think in general, yes. Mm. Um, Because obviously so much of the industry is there and... Um, so yeah I would say a lot more time and I had read that you'd said in the past that really acting was your first love and that modeling was a was a kind of thing that came yeah just came into your life is that right yeah definitely I think that 
you know, forever I'd always wanted to be an actor. And as I said earlier, you know, I kind of went into modeling because I thought it'd be a great way to make a bit of money. And, and then obviously it turned out to be so much more than that. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful for everything that I learned and did within the modeling industry. Like it was, I mean, what an experience, but I never really felt like I belong. That was my problem. Like, again, as I said earlier, I was just such a goofball and I would be that model that would like walk on set and whack her head on a lighting rig and have lipstick all over her teeth and eat far too much at lunch that like everyone would be looking at me going, why is she eating that? She's about to be wearing PVC, you know, and I'd be like, like stuffing my face. It just didn't really suit who I was so for a long time I kind of felt like I was in limbo like I was doing this job and it was great but I just didn't feel like it was really me well so did you not actually feel that confident no I didn't actually never no and I still don't really to this day like you know if I have to do anything red carpet or I do anything like that my whole body shakes like uncontrollably if you have your picture taken with me on the red carpet my husband always says this He's like, it is the most extraordinary thing because he's like, I'm literally having to hold Poppy up because my whole body is practically convulsing because I'm petrified. I, like, I get this really funny lip, like it's like a lip twitch where I'm literally like smiling and then my mouth starts like, because I'm, I just get total fear, like total fear. And it doesn't get any better with age. It kind of gets worse. Ugh. I know. And how about really what acting does? Has it kind of, again, it shake that always it always terrified me but um at this point I now look forward to doing it like it doesn't scare me when I've when I've got a scene that I've worked really hard on and I know it to death and I know the character to death and I know who I'm acting it with to death and I feel like I can have fun with it and I can really explore it then it's just the most exciting feeling in the world I literally Mm. jump out of bed and Mm -hmm. I'm like yes I can do this and I love that I get a real sense of achievement when I'm acting and I'm doing something that I love. Both you and Cara are super successful models and you both are now actors you both made that kind of transition did you talk about that did you discuss making that transition with Um, each other I don't think we ever really there was never really like this is what I'm doing and I'm doing it I think both of us were always really into acting primarily really I mean Cara literally came out of my of my my mother's womb acting and dancing and singing and she was just that she was born like that you know um and I think I was definitely a little more shy. I was definitely outgoing and was like all up for doing a Spice Girls routine every weekend. Mm-hmm. But um, Cara definitely was more born with it, I would say. And so I think, again, for her, I think she finished school and I think she just felt like modelling was the right thing for her to go into. And again, she totally fell in love with it. And wow, did she have, I mean, her career is just beyond and again she's gone into the acting thing but she is also so into her music and has always been really into her music yeah because she's got a beautiful singing voice hasn't she's got she? an incredible yeah. voice but can also play any instrument which oh really is just like beyond frustrating because i literally cannot play one instrument but she can also play any instrument with like her eyes closed and from behind and upside down doing a headstand and i literally have done 50 million piano lessons and guitar lessons and can't play a note, which is just, oh, yeah, I cannot no. do it. I'm chronic. So she, <laughs> she's like a one woman band. 
And I can't, I mean, I've got the huskiest voice in the world. I can't even sing. I can basically just talk, talk music. Um, you could rap, potentially. Could, I can do a really good rap. No, I can't. No, I really, really can't. Um, but she, um, so yeah, I just think, and I think there's also other things that she really wants to explore. And there are other things that I want to explore now. And we definitely do talk about those. But I think when we were younger, it just felt like natural progressions for mm. us both. And but do you yeah. compare scripts and things now? No, because well, definitely. If there's, th- thank God, we're like six years apart, so we don't ever go up for the same same thing. parts. Yeah, um, but definitely, if she That's gets never sent happened. something, no, no, it's never happened. But she has, she will get sent something and be like, "What do you think of this?" Um, there was a job that we almost did together, but actually, sadly, really fell through. Um, which was like a movie, but it was improvised and it was a comedy and we were going to play sisters. And that was really exciting. And, you know, one day I think we'd love to work together. Um, but she's finishing off Carnival Row in Prague and I've been in Argentina. So we haven't seen each other since early December. So it's been oh, a really long time. That must be so hard when you're so yeah, close. It is really hard, but thank God for FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Saving grace. Exactly. And so going back to Riviera, yeah. I mean, what an amazing cast to be working alongside. Yeah, tell me tell me about some of the highlights of working with them. Julia yeah. Stiles. I mean, she's like a childhood acting hero of mine. I mean, Julia Stiles. Yeah, she was like my sort of my 90s queen. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, like, totally. 10 Things I Hate About You and, and Save the Last Dance. She's incredible and she's such a talented actress, but she's also just incredibly down to earth and funny and brilliant. And and this time around we had in season three, um, you know, we had my beloved twin brother, the wonderful Jack Fox, who we also had in season two. Mm. Um, but we also had newbies. We had Rupert Graves, who was incredible, probably the funniest man alive one of the most interesting people I've ever come across um his life story is extraordinary but um just always a light to be around just always brilliant and jolly on set and we had a great time and then a bunch of gorgeous Argentinians who we all just fell totally in love with that showed us the ropes and kept us entertained and taught us really bad Spanish and (laughs) you know they were just fantastic do you get homesick? Being away for eight weeks is a long time. Or can James really. come out? I've never really experienced homesickness. I'm uh, one that's of these very so bizarre. Nice to not have and that. it's weird because I'm a Taurus. That's my star sign, and I'm always I'm a, I'm very much a Taurus. And they always say that Taurians are homebodies and they like nesting. And I d- I do love home and I love family and I love nesting and all that stuff. But I'm always so much happier when I'm traveling. And Mm. being somewhere completely new, experiencing Mm. different things. That for me is the biggest joy of all. And is there a destination that you think is the most stylish? I mean, you've been to all the fashion capitals multitudes of times. Where do you get the most fashion inspiration from, would you say? Oh God, I'd have to say Paris. Only because I just, the Parisians, I mean, it's painful how chic they are and how effortless they are and Mm. how... It literally looks like they haven't done anything. You know, they haven't had their hair done. They don't wear any makeup, but they're just sensational. And they're just, they're sort of, you know, lickable almost. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? They're just, do you know Caroline de Magre? Oh, she just, for me, is the epitome of just like French chic chic and charm. You know, you never see a drunk French person, I feel like, either. Like, they always know how to hold 
hold themselves. They're poised. They're poised. And, you know, they're, but they're drinking like wine at lunch. If I drank wine at lunch, I would be on the floor by five. And, <laughs> but yeah, they're totally fine. And, you know, they're smoking cigarettes and sitting in cafes and reading. And just the whole thing is just stylish and chic and just something I will never be able to grasp. Uh, however hard I try. I, I have and such me, en- I envy when I go there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've tried hard. I go there and I eat a croissant and it's like all over my face. And they've like devoured seven and they're fine. <laughs> so chapter five is your hidden gem. Is yes. there a place that you could let us in on? Okay, so this one is really bonkers. And I can't believe I'm telling you because it really is my hidden gem but it is this incredible place in Rome and uh it's called the I'm going to say it's completely wrong now so I apologize to all Italians it's Residenza Napoleon Mm -hmm. and it's an apartment set on the Via Condotti and which is right at the you know the bottom of the Spanish steps basically how do I describe it it is an apartment but it's like you've stepped into a fairy tale and and you rent it out and you rent it out uh-huh. you know for two or three nights and it's 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 st- still like it would be i think i think it was napoleon's apartment back in 1830 or something really nuts like that so everything is exactly the same everything uh. is completely ornate and traditional and it is like traveling back in time and there's this massive oil painting in one of the bedrooms that you open and inside is the bathroom I'm not joking. So you step inside the painting and inside is this completely ornate and bonkers bath. Uh. And the other magical thing is that you never really see anybody. So you go out for dinner and you come back and the whole place is lit with candles. And or when you first arrive and you go, oh gosh, where are our bags? And you go into your wardrobe and there's a walk-in wardrobe and everything is unpacked. Yet you haven't seen anyone. So they must have like these secret doors everywhere where they like slip in and slip out. Um, or you wake up in the morning and breakfast is completely laid out, but you haven't heard anybody. And it's just in the next door room. And there are no TVs, but what they do have is they have this incredible screen that comes down from the ceiling. And the only DVD they had was Roman Holiday with Audrey Hepburn. So my husband had never seen it. And I was like, we have to watch this. So we were literally in bed eating pasta, of course, um, and watching Roman Holiday with um, Audrey Hepburn, which was just a dream come true. But How did you find out about it? Melinda, Auntie Min, of course. (laughs) I was like, Min, I need to go somewhere that's totally romantic and off the beaten track and that no one would have known or been there. She said, go here. So thanks, Auntie Min. Great. Love you. (laughs) So totally in contrast to that then, that beautiful sounding apartment, chapter six is your worst travel experience. Ooh, this is messy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically, you know how early I was telling you about my love for India and that I've been back multiple times. Well, I had been back multiple times. And the last time that I went there... Um, I went with some friends of mine, um, but this time we did the North and we were doing Rajasthan and all of these incredible places. Um, And on the way back, um, we had to fly through Delhi to go back to the UK. And I was in a car with two girlfriends of mine and on the way, we were all a bit hungry. And I said, well, let's just stop off and grab. Oh, look, there's a little kebab place just there. Let's get a kebab. And they were both like, don't be nuts. You, you can't do that. And I said, guys, I've, you know, it's the fifth time I've been to India. I'll be fine. Like, you know, I haven't had Delhi Belly since the first time I got here. And uh, what did I do? Oh, no. <laughs> had a chicken kebab. Tasted delicious, by the way. 
Um, the car journey was about four or five hours. I mean, by the time we got to the airport, we were like, I think we were like two, three hours early and they wouldn't actually let us into the airport. And it struck because I was so ill. Oh, And I can't even begin to how ill I was, but we weren't allowed into the airport. So I was doing everything at just out in the street because they wouldn't let me into the airport. And by the time I was checking in, I actually don't remember checking in. I was full-blown hallucinating. And I had my two girlfriends holding me up because we were like, we have to let her on, we have to get her on the plane. And again, I don't remember getting on the plane, but again, I sat down and my two friends were sat five rows in front of me together. And I was in a middle seat, like in the back row. And I literally just ended up sleeping in a loo. Um, Very sweet stewardess just kept coming back and forward just giving me water because I just had to sleep in bolt upright in the toilet <laughs> British Airways planes sorry British Airways oh my god that is a very bleak memory and it was just I imagine most... it was a beautiful trip before then yeah but what was crazy is that I was sick for like three weeks after when I got Ooh. back I was really really ill I, I couldn't get better I couldn't get better well, I just think the whole experience of traveling with it and, you know, not being able to properly rest and not, it just wasn't good. I'm mm. so sorry to all of that. was the worst, probably the worst story you've ever had to listen to on a podcast. I think it's, it's a disgusting. very relatable story, though. I mean, the I'm amount sure of people is. who have had to go through that. Okay, good. We all have been We're there, all human, right? but yeah? still, that was, so by far, my worst. I swore I would never, ever. So that was, like, definitely your worst flying experience, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely yeah. doesn't get any worse than that. <laughs> but you spend a lot of time on planes. Uh, any tips for how to make the time pass? What oh, are your God. kind of travel sleep. essentials? <laughs> Just sleep it off. For me, it's like, I love a long haul journey because I'm like, right, I'm going to get really cozy. Um, I'll take like a little melatonin and I will just literally sleep for 12 hours if I can. Really? I'm me, so jealous. Joyful. I wish I could do that. Yeah, because whenever I'm at home, that never really happens. And I've always got so much on my mind that I just, my body won't let me sleep. Whereas when I travel, I'm like, all I know that's happening on the other end is this, I get off the plane. So for me, it's like my body just goes into hibernation mode a little bit. So it's like the one opportunity really where everyone can truly disconnect. Yeah, totally. That's what scares me a little bit about having the Wi-Fi on the planes because I think a lot of people yearn for that time actually when you're no, on the plane. I'm you never going to use it. Off, yeah. I'm never going to use Wi-Fi on a plane. Not no, for me. no. <laughs> it's night night time yeah exactly <laughs> chapter seven is your next big adventure where are you heading to next well I actually haven't really got when I was writing down ideas and things I mean my next big adventure I haven't really got one um coming up which is a little bit depressing I'm kind of waiting to sort of make some plans but I have got places that I really want to go to if I can talk about them. Yeah, so your bucket list. Yeah, I've yeah. got so many. Let's move so on to I those. So I felt like, okay, so first of all, Machu Picchu. Mm. Really desperate to do that train. And then, you know, they have the train with the band, apparently, that plays music. Oh, is that the Belmont train? I think it might be. Mm. Um, but I've just heard so much about it. But first of all, getting to do that trek, I'm really into walking at the moment, but doing that trek up there, getting the train, um, that to me, maybe doing a bit of ayahuasca. I don't know. I mean, if that is even possible, I just think that would be nuts. Um, but that is one of my things. My biggest thing that I want to do is go to the Antarctic on a boat. I just saw a friend of mine on Instagram the other day that went last Christmas. I swear to God, I was like, messaging her going, are you joking? She, 
went on a boat, you can take a cruise. So from, is it from the bottom of... I don't know. From Argentina or Chile? Yes, something. I think that's it. Exactly. Mm. I think it's from Chile. Mm. And there was one thing where she's literally sitting. So they then took little boats out. And she's sitting and she's doing a film. And just out of nowhere, this like whale comes up covered in barnacles with its tail. And I just... I literally had just like a nervous breakdown. I was like, I have to, I have to do this. I have to see an iceberg and I have to see a whale and I have to see, it just looks completely out of this world. And I'm it really so is. desperate. It's the furthest it. end of the literally, planet. Yeah, the yeah. furthest end of the planet. So they will be my next adventure, whatever they are, because I think for a while I'm actually going to enjoy staying put for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it would make my husband happy and, um, you know, it's better for the planet that way. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing my bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you make it to those places. They thank both you. sound wonderful. And thank you so much for making your podcast, your popcast, I should say. Ah, oh, <laughs> your popcast debut. Podcast debut. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Those are your travel diaries and one of my favorites. Thank you. Thank you so much, my love. Oh, that was the absolutely delightful Poppy Delavine. I'm honoured that she made her podcast debut on The Travel Diaries. You can catch up on Riviera Seasons 1 and 2 on Sky Atlantic now, and Season 3 comes this summer. If you've enjoyed this episode today, then leaving a review or rating really helps other people to discover the podcast. Don't forget, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, pretty much all other podcast apps. Wherever you leave a review, it really helps. And to find out who's on next week's show, come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you again next week. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.